the comic book pit. Okay. attempted to record an episode last night and due to human error we still had a great conversation it was uh, myself and Scott and Chip Grossman manager of New Dimension Comics at Century 3 Mall and we had a great conversation about uh, cons and TV shows and comics and and then it all went down the toilet because I screwed something up so I'm going to just jump in and you know just talk a little bit. It's it's been a long time since we've had a an episode up, so I thought I would at least, you know, maybe talk about some comics that we talked about. And uh before we get to that though, I want to just do letting you know where you can find all of the comic put comic book pit goodness. So, we're on iTunes, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Uh, I also believe we are on Stitcher, and we're on Podomatic. You can email us also at comicbookpit, that's pit with two T's, don't forget, comicbookpit at gmail.com. And of course, our main site is comicbookpit.com. So, that's where you can find all of our stuff. Um, You know, we're usually pretty active on the social media, so... You know, stop in, say hi, tell us what you think. So, getting down to, let's just get down to it. Let's just jump in. So, comics, right? That's why we're here. Comic books, they're awesome. Um, Well, some of them are awesome. Some of them are not so much. Uh, I'm just going to get this one out of the way first because it it wasn't um, it wasn't my favorite. I tried, I, I kind of wanted to like it for nostalgia's sake, but First Strike number one from IDW, just, uh, I feel like it missed the mark completely. If you're unfamiliar with what's going on over at IDW, they have the licensing for the Hasbro toy properties. So we're talking about G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask. ROM, and the Micronauts. IDW has decided to make a shared comic book universe from all of these properties. It actually started, um, I believe, a year or two ago uh, with a book called Revolution, which started to merge these properties together in in a shared universe story. I do remember reading, I believe, either the zero issue or the first issue 
of that series, and um, it didn't didn't hook me, so I did not continue. But then I saw they were continuing with First Strike, so I thought, okay, well let's see let's see what's going on. Let's see if uh, this sparks any of the nostalgia for me as a you know as an '80s kid. Um, I, I primarily was a GI Joe kid. Had all the action figures, the vehicles, the play sets. Um, not so much into the Transformers. I had one, maybe two Transformers. You know, I was a GI Joe kid, and I, I feel like every you know, if you were you know, grew up in the '80s, you you probably had your thing. You know, you were GI Joe, you were Transformers. You might have been Mask. I don't think they had a huge um, toy line. But they probably had enough to, you know, to be fun. Um, I never, I never played with Micronauts, and Rom actually, I think, predated all of them. And they, you know, Rom was like kind of a, a giant 12-inch action figure with, from what I remember, uh, very limited um, articulation. I mean, he was like a late 70s, early 80s toy and I don't really think they did a lot with him in the 80s as far as uh, a toy they you know Hasbro I guess and Marvel worked out a deal where they made a ROM comic book which which went for a few years I believe it I want to say it went I'm just guessing here um, maybe into the 70s or 80s, um, as far as the issue numbering, and it had a, a, an annual or two, uh, you know, and, and, and Rob would show up in, in certain Marvel events or in the background or something. He was kind of in the periphery. Anyway, so I, I think this is, you know, I'm not sure if um, the powers that be at IDW thought, well, we've got all this 80s nostalgia. Let's just throw it all in a pot, mix it up, and see what kind of soup we get. And the 80s nostalgia nerds will come because of their 80s nostalgia. And and to be honest, that's part of that's part of why I read this. And you know, I thought maybe I'd get a little bit of that, but it did not happen. You know, it, it was mostly kind of a jumbled mess. The the Joe characters, I, I feel like these days they really only focus on a handful of core Joes, like Scarlet, Roadblock, Lady J, Flint. Usually there's a martial artist in there, like Quick Kick or someone, um, Jinx, I don't know, uh, Snake Eyes. And then that's pretty much it. Like, they have this, this, you know, G.I. Joe has such a deep bench of characters to choose from. But they, they all problem is, you know, and, and they introduce, you know, some other ones. Like, there's a, a dial tone and a dock. But they're, they're different characters. You know, they're different from the originals. They're female characters. Again, it's fine. It doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't bother me. I, I'm not against switching it up. What bothers me is... That you know when um, you know, GI Joe characters were designed to be individuals, they all had an individual look. You know you could pick one out 
you know from you know in a, on a comic book page or in a toy aisle you could pick out you know a GI Joe ca- uh, character you knew you knew their name by what they were wearing or by what maybe what accessories they had and in this this book all the Joes are kind of just wearing these generic looking outfits very plain uh, I feel like Scarlet might be the only one that has a little bit of flair to her uniform but how are you not going to know who Scarlet is? She's one of the few female team members, and she's got red hair. Duh, that's <laughs> that's Scarlet. I mean, she's got the red hair. That's all you need to know. But yeah, so the and yeah, the the the, the Joe characters uh, just not interesting at all visually or uh, character wise. So, so the premise is, and I'll, I'll just do this real quick. There's um, Earth formally joins Cybertron. There's this Council of Worlds, and there's this big uh, celebratory event on Cybertron with the Transformers and with Earthlings. So they are there's a uh, um, dignitaries and news crews, humans that are on Cybertron. They're celebrating this big event. And they're broadcasting live from Cybertron. And there's also a, con- a small contingent of Joes on Cybertron as uh, security, I suppose, or just as a presence, as a representation. And uh, Flint is there. Flint, who is arguably one of my favorite Joes, doesn't say a word, doesn't look like he's wearing a suit. He's also with two other Joes that are wearing suits, and they all look the same. I, I think maybe that, I don't know if that's a. Um, you know, on the artist, or if it was, you know, the the plot just didn't pay enough attention to them on Cybertron. But, you know, it's like, we're supposed to care that Flint is on this planet, but we get a glimpse of Flint. He doesn't say a word. And planet, they're uh, they're on Cybertron. They're, um, you know, uh, gearing up for this momentous occasion. And then there's a terrorist attack on Cybertron by Cobra. Well, I don't know if it's Cobra proper. Again, I, I'm not up with what this current status of Cobra is, but it's Destro, Storm Shadow, and this, well, new to me character, Baron Ironblood, who, and this this is, I think, where, it's hard to say this is where it gets stupid. I feel like the whole premise is stupid, but... Baron Ironblood is actually Joe Colton, who was the original G.I. Joe. And there's some sort of convoluted backstory where Joe Colton was an alien, but then he wasn't, but now he's a, a bad guy. And I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's so ridiculous. It just, it, it's staggering how how convoluted it is that they are just overcomplicating this story. It's like you you have these properties that have all these built-in characters and heroes and villains. Why why muddy it with uh, more of this false continuity or this made-up? Like why make up all this? You know, I mean, you're making it harder for yourself basically to tell a good story. You know, and I, I can't really speak to the Transformers, how they were characterized, because 
again, I'm not a, I was never a Transformers guy. And to me, you know, aside from like, I know Optimus Prime, I know Megatron, I know Bumblebee. That's pretty much it. That's the extent of my Transformers knowledge. And so I'm reading this and, uh, you know, and, and they, they added caption boxes any, any time a new character would show up and it would say character's name and maybe like what their specialty was or something quirky slash funny about them. But it, it didn't help me. It didn't matter. It was still just one robot. They, they were just a bunch of big ass robots. You know, I think it's one of those, one of those situations where just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Or if they were going to do this, maybe they should have built it up more organically. You know, build each property up in their own book first. Now, I know G.I. Joe and Transformers have a long history of comics. That's fine. But, you know, Mask, Rom, Micronauts, you know, maybe build up build up their stories first. Like, let, like get, let people know who they are before you just start dropping them into these big company-wide events because I think things just get lost in the shuffle and you just stop caring at some point because it's just, you know, it's just a mess. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, First Strike number one, I cannot recommend it unless you are just the hardest of the hardcore fans of these properties, again, you know, like G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Rom, and Micronauts. Oh, and by the way, as far as I could tell, in this first issue, there was no Mask, no Rom, and no Micronauts. So, I guess that's going to be forthcoming, and I believe this is, I feel like this is going to be an ongoing series. I'm not 100% sure, and I probably won't find out because I sincerely doubt that I will be continuing with with this series. Another book that we talked about, well, not a specific book, but just, I guess, the event in general that we talked about that was kind of just a muddy mess was Marvel's Secret Empire event, which I believe just wrapped up. And, yeah, it, um, you know, it, it, it just... Like most events these days, just felt much ado about nothing. It probably had a, a strong kickoff based on the controversy of, you know, surrounding Captain America as the bad guy, as a sleeper Hydra agent. But then it it all boiled down to, um, you know, the the cosmic cube MacGuffin that pretty much put everything back in its place. That evil. Captain America was actually a Cosmic Cube clone, and the real Cap was in the Cosmic Cube. I, I don't know. You know, just it just felt pointless. You know, Marvel said that you know that, that the political ramifications or the you know the political tones were not intentional. That that's just the way it, the story happened, and that's you know that's understandable. Like, okay, I get it. But at the same time, the parallels between what's going on in our country currently with, you know, the neo-Nazis and race relations and, and then, you know, you're putting out this book, which is 
somewhat politically charged or taking the idea that, you know, that our country is now being controlled by a, you know, a dictator or, you know, it's, it's under like a totalitarian regime. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to say that, that the two, that, that, that there weren't parallels between, you know, that story and what's going on now. So I don't think that Secret Empire is going to be up there with, you know, the some of Marvel's better known and, you know, better loved events. I feel like this is going to probably fall the way of um, uh, Fear Itself and Original Sin as events that were just pointless, just kind of a waste of everyone's time. So conversely, you know, who the, the company that's killing it right now is DC, which is amazing because I feel like it wasn't that long ago DC was laughingstock. You know, when New 52 was kind of just just ill-conceived and kind of a joke, uh, and it, it just seemed like everything DC did was just a misstep, just a mistake. But now, ever since the ever since DC Rebirth, it just seems like their DC is just finally firing on all, on all cylinders. They've got they've got some good creative talent. Their books are fun again. And they look great. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> DC is good again. I and it's it's funny how the you know how how the tables turn from from one you know from one side to the next. And now you've got Marvel stumbling over itself, and hopefully they'll be riding their ship after debacle that was Secret Empire and or Stinky Empire and and their uh, current. Legacy. I don't even. You can't really even call it an event, but their their legacies uh, format or issues. I'm not even sure what that what's going on there. I, I hear about these legacy one shots that half of them sound great and half of them sound like garbage. But anyway, you know, back to DC. Um, yeah, they're just knocking it out of the park. I mean, it's it, it's amazing just how good they're doing now. We could start with their current event, Dark Knight's Metal, number one. This is an event that encompasses, I feel like, the entire DCU, but it's 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 very much a Batman-centric story. Batman is is truly at the at the the, the crux of this of this event. But that being said, this book was just <laughs> balls out total pure DC Comics goodness. I mean starting with basically a, a cold open with the with the Justice League in this kind of arena like this gladiatorial arena fighting robot versions like monstrous giant robot versions of themselves controlled by Mongol. So you know they're out in space somewhere, who knows where. Um, they're 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 in like gladiator armor fighting in this giant arena and then of course batman solves you know he figures it out and they're able to control the robots and what happens next is basically a justice league voltron it was awesome all the robots come together and make this one giant robot and it was just the coolest but 
this this opening issue has just so many it just hit on so many classic DC um you know just things from DC past you know past and present um we got the Blackhawks uh Kendra Saunders Hawk Girl the Starman from the 90s but not the not the cool hip one the 90 like the guy with the mullet and um Will Con was it Will Conrad I forget his name but it was the, the 90s mulleted Starman Red Tornado Challengers Challengers of the Unknown um the dark multiverse and then the, the the craziest thing of all is the very last page, and I guess this is a spoiler if you haven't read it yet. Um, but Dream from the Vertigo Sandman series shows up in the very last page to Batman, and uh, I mean it was just just amazing. Such a fun story. Um, I can't even go into explaining it. It, but it's it's by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, the you know the the amazing creative team from for pretty much the entire New Fifty Two Batman run, um, and they just yeah they just hit a home run with this one. I think this is going to be a fun event. It's not anything I think that takes itself too seriously. I feel like it's going to solidify more aspects of the DCU. Kind of bringing things back to the way they were, you know, and and not in the way that you take a step backwards, but in the way that you, you know, reintroduce the elements that worked, that things that were fun before you changed everything and made things not fun. Um, I do remember Dark Knights: The Forge when that came out. There were hints in that about certain things, and one of them was um, Plastic Man. You know, they're bringing Plastic Man back, and it's like. I don't even really like Plastic Man. I'm not. I, that's a. I've never seen the appeal of Plastic Man. I think he's a dumb character, but I also recognize that he's a classic DC character, and people love him. And you know that probably made so many people happy to see that little hint that Plastic Man was coming back. Um, yeah, Dark Knight's Metal. I think it's gonna be a fun event. I don't know how long it's going. That's the one thing I'm. I'm I'll be curious about. Hopefully they don't do the thing that Marvel does and add issues to the end of their, you know, when they say it's going to be, like, I think Secret Empire was supposed to be like an eight or like an eight or nine issue series, and they tacked on another one or two issues at the end, and that's, I don't feel like, I feel like that's, that's always a bad sign, because it just means that you, I think it means you just didn't write your story well, or you didn't know what you were getting into with your story and you have to write your way out of it. Um, so hopefully Scott Snyder's got this one all, all planned out. Um, another book I'm having a lot of fun with amazingly enough, Aquaman uh, again, like plastic man, Aquaman is a character I've never really had any particular affinity for. I, I'm just middle of the road. I could take him or leave him. You know, I think when, the Aquaman series came out, like the new 52 Aquaman series came out. Um, I probably read the, like the first dozen issues, and it was okay. It was fun. It, but, you know, I, I started missing a few issues, and I was like, eh, whatever. 
Well, I had heard that with issue 25 of the Aquaman Rebirth, that it was kind of a game changer, that there was this paradigm shift, and it was a new story direction, and it was really good, and it was uh, written by Dan Abnett, and I believe the art is by uh, Stepan Sajic, who I really enjoy. Um, he did a lot of work on Rat Queens for Image, and he's done a lot of other stuff, but like Witchblade and Aphrodite 9 and stuff like that. So I knew, you know, I was in for probably some good writing and some good art. So I picked up issue 25 and then, um, yeah, and I've, I've read read every issue since. I mean, it's only up to 27, but still. So what what you have is a an Aquaman who was dethroned and is now... In hiding, he's believed to be dead by the people, by the uh, forces that um, dethroned him, and he is in this uh, lower uh, level of like you've got Atlantis, which is kind of like the pinnacle of on underwater living, like that's the kingdom, and then you've got these different depths, and then when you get to the lowest depth, we're like. It's like the dregs live. It's like just the worst part. Like imagine like the worst part of your like your city where people live, where it's like crime ridden and just it's real sketchy. And that's you know, people that's where people go when they've got nowhere else to go. That's what this place is. It's just like underwater skid row, and um, well, this is where Aquaman's hiding out. And I guess enough time has passed that he now he has a beard and long hair. So I guess maybe they're, you know, trying to be sly and try and match him up with the movie version. Who knows? But he starts, um, he decides that, you know, he's going to take a cue from his friend in Gotham. And he's going to start, like, fighting crime kind of in secret, kind of in hiding, like kind of... Uh, He's going to be like kind of Batman under the water. It's uh, it's really fascinating. There's um, aside from the Aquaman in hiding, the the political intrigue. I feel like there's a lot of uh, really good political intrigue going on. And then there's uh, on the surface you've got Mara, who is trying to enlist help to get into Atlantis because apparently once they dethroned Aquaman they use this ancient Atlantean black magic to construct a shield or a barrier around Atlantis so no one could get in or out. So they, they've they got that going for them. <laughs> so Mara is, I believe in, the, in one of the issues, Mara went to the Titans for help and, and found um, Aqualad or... Tempest, or I don't know what name he's going by these days. I think his name is Garth. And so I guess they're kind of putting together, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to devise a way to get in from the surface, and you've got Aquaman below trying to wait, trying to devise a way to, you know, not only keep his kingdom safe and keep people safe, but also regain his throne. Um, just good stuff. Just a lot of fun. And uh, the art is great. You know, can't say enough about the art and the writing. Um, I would say if, you know, you could pick up 
you can start picking this up with issue 25 without having read anything before issue 25. Because trust me, I only read the first issue, and I think I only read the Rebirth issue. I may not have even read that now that I think about it. I may not have read any of the early Aquaman stuff for Rebirth. But I read 25, 26, and 27, and that's all you need to read. So go and do likewise. You will not regret it. And then the uh, so the last DC book, which was kind of a surprise, although I guess I shouldn't be too surprised given the, the creative team, is Mr. Miracle number 1 by Tom King and Mitch Gerrids. Tom King, he's writing Batman now. He wrote The Omega Men a couple years ago for DC, Sheriff of Babylon, and most currently for Marvel, he did Vision, which was just a tw- like 12 issue master class on storytelling and uh, and art. Um, the the 12, issue, 12 issue Vision series was amazing. When that comes out in a hardback, that's one I'm, I want for my, my bookshelf. So when I heard that he was doing Mr. Miracle, I was pretty excited because Mr. Miracle is one of those kind of mid-level characters that I've liked since since the 80s Justice League. It was the Giffen, DeMatteis, Maguire, you know, that was kind of my Justice League, my Mr. Miracle. I didn't really, I didn't know anything about Mr. Miracle prior to that. You know, I, I have, my knowledge of the new gods was more than than I did then. You know, that being said, New Gods in the Fourth World, like, that's never really held any appeal for me. But Mr. Miracle and his stories, you know, I always I always enjoyed the character. So Mr. Miracle is the story of Scott Free. Yes, that's his name, Scott Free, the New God, and the world's greatest escape artist. And he decides that in the in the early part of the issue that the he's gonna the ultimate escape act is to escape the inescapable, which is death. So he essentially commits suicide. He kills himself, but he survives because he's the best. But when he comes back, he doesn't quite feel the same way. There's something that's just not right, something that's just bothering him. Things don't feel the same. He doesn't really get a chance to explore that because he's called back home. And home is, well... It's either New Genesis, I guess he's got two homes, and there's a war between New Genesis and Apocalypse. Uh, basically, it's essentially heaven and hell. But the, you know, some of the best parts, now that, you know, this is not an action-packed issue, and I, I don't even know how the series is going to unfold, uh, but this is, it's more of, a, of an examination between, you know, his life as a new god, as a superhero, and his life as just a, a guy. I mean, he's married, and he has a career, and he has a home, and you know, and he has these life-defining events, you know, that happen that he's trying to figure out. And it it, it deals with with the issues of you know being at a certain age and being bored and restless, and dealing with anxiety and maybe depression, and you know, or sometimes having a hard time accepting your reality. 
and or feeling trapped and thinking, you know, is this is this really life? Is this real life? Is this reality? Is this happening? You know, and then and then you're you know you're living in this modern world, but then you're tied to this fantastic other world. You know, the fourth world elements, the New Genesis, Apocalypse, High Father, Dark Side, Orion, uh, Big Barda. I mean, all the all the supporting elements that make Mr. Miracle such a great character, they're all there. This, you know, if, if, if this is half as good as the vision was, um, then I'm, I'm really excited for this book. So that's probably where I'm going to leave it for right now, because it's tough doing a show by yourself when there's no one else to talk to. You, you feel kind of weird. You feel a little silly. Hopefully I didn't come off like too much of a, rambling moron but if i did let me know (laughs) um like i said you can find us on all the social medias itunes you can email us at comicbookpit at gmail.com and we should be back next week with a regular episode with more people to talk to more hosts than just me so that's it and we'll see you next week Again, this has been Comic Book Pit, episode 255. I'm Dan, and we'll see you next time.